Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker. Counterfeiting is big business, and it can be deadly for consumers. In addition to lives lost, money lost, the $250 billion that costs to investigate and prosecute the crooks seems incredible. And also the retail costs. Think about this. $1.4 billion lost in retail. The stores. And then there's the taxes and the jobs and the lives that I mentioned because of fake food, fake medicine. Counterfeit medicine is a huge problem and it's one that consumers need to be very careful about. We're going to talk about all of this today. My guest is Kyle Burgess. She's the executive director of Consumers Research, which is the country's oldest consumer organization. Kyle, welcome to Of Consuming Interest. It's so good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me today. This is a fascinating subject, and it's one that I have been interested in for a long time because of so many of the things that we've heard and the problems that have occurred because of it, and not to mention the loss of revenue and loss of taxes and so on, as I mentioned earlier. Um, let's just, let's put it in perspective. This is a huge amount of money. It is a huge amount of money. Uh, it's a lot of, a lot of, uh, products as well. Every year, the Customs and Border Protection Agency, uh, captures over 30,000 items from different shipments, and they have over 77,000 shipments a year coming in. The vast majority of these items come from foreign countries with 80, 88% of them being from China and Hong Kong. Um, the most counterfeited item is apparel that makes up about 20% of the counterfeited items. Now, one, when I mentioned in the intro deaths, I mean, we read about the, the, ba- the milk for babies mm-hmm. that actually caused some infants to die and mm-hmm. uh, made others very sick. Um, so so the, the cost is in many ways. And we're just, you know, we're probably not even aware of it unless somebody tells us to focus on it mm-hmm. because it's part of everyday life anymore. So let's first talk about some of the the products. You said that apparel, and and within that, it could be pocketbooks, it could be jeans, it could be blouses, anything. Yeah, apparel is the number one, followed by electronics. Then shoes is a different category. Watches is pretty popular as well. Purses, pharmaceuticals makes up 8%, and it's also the most deadly percent. And um, computers and other items. Okay, so even a computer, oh my goodness, I hope my... I just got a new computer. I hope it's not a counterfeit. I don't think it is. Anyway, we will worry about that at another day. Um, Okay, so we've got products that are coming into the country. Why can't we stop them? The CBP is working very hard on this. They have uh, interagency cooperation on this. And like I said, 77,000. Um, These are items that they've stopped. So set the seventy-seven thousand number is is how much? I, uh, oh, sorry, daily shipments that they're reviewing. So seventy-seven thousand wow. a day, and thirty-one thousand seizures in in twenty sixteen, which is a nine percent more than it was in twenty fifteen. And I'm sure it's going to go up for twenty seventeen as well. So they are working hard, and they they have interagency cooperation to figure out who should investigate what, and ultimately who should prosecute what. Um, and just a small. Correction, I think it's $250 million in investigation and prosecution per year. $250 million. Yep. Okay. And we as taxpayers pay that. I feel a little that. better, but not a whole lot. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of money that it it's is. costing us mm-hmm. to track down the crooks. And not to mention the fact I read somewhere that a lot of this money is really going into organized crime. 
It is. So that it's spilling over into other things, probably drugs and all other kind of things. Trafficking, human trafficking. Human trafficking and so on. It, it is a really horrendous problem. And um, I don't I don't think we focus enough on it. But at any rate, we're going to focus on it today. And we're going to talk about it. Now, the, uh, your, your organization recently wrote an article on fish, right? And what we would call counterfeit fish? Counterfeit fish, fake fish. I'm not really sure if it has a name yet. Um, yeah, <laughs> but whatever that... it is, it's not good. No. <laughs> and so what? what is it? What are we seeing here? Fish that are being labeled one thing when in fact there's something else? Sure. Um, there are very few fish that are required by law to be served with a face on. And, and American consumers aren't accustomed to seeing something like that anyhow. Um, but the, with the fish problem in particular, we, we do end up with sustainability issues of overfishing um, or, and other you know, environmental impacts. But in terms of, you know, consumers like to eat what they know. And so restaurants market the same five fish. You've heard of mahi-mahi and tuna and salmon and these, you know, these same five fish. But there are a lot of other fish out there that consumers aren't consuming that are delicious. And one solution that different um, restaurateurs who care about this issue have proposed is um, going after invasive species fish. So I think lionfish is the name of one of the invasive species invasive species on the East Coast that's mm-hmm. become very popular as a solution to, you know, get consumers to think about other fish while mm-hmm. also solving other problems of those fish eating up and damaging habitats. Sure, sure. So you're having two things. You're feeding mm-hmm. people and you're saving the environment as well. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's a win <laughs> for everybody. Um, so so there's part of a re-education project mm-hmm. here that's going on in terms of the fish. But, you know, what what worries me when I start thinking about dealing with crooks and the same mm-hmm. thing with medicine, which we'll we'll get to in a minute, but when you start talking about dealing with food products, this is really kind of scary because you don't know what's in it. It could be contaminated and Absolutely. you could become very sick. Now, is that one of the problems or is it more this that it's fake and it's not really what it says it is? I mean, I think the, the, the safety concerns are an incredibly huge problem. Um, there are apps that you can download on your phone that you can take a picture of a fish in a market and it will help you identify that fish. I like that. Um, so there there are other you know tech solutions as well. Um, I don't remember which agency, one of the government agencies also has a website about counterfeit fish. Um, mm-hmm. But the, you know, and the other government agencies also address counterfeit other things like oh, pharmaceuticals. Yes, so right. the FDA has a, a long list of websites where you should not buy prescription drugs online because they are not real. No, and they're not. They're dangerous. Right. And, you know, the dangers of counterfeit pharmaceuticals include, you know, uh, not treating your illness, making your illness worse, making you sick for some, something else, and oh, yeah. also death. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's really important, especially in the pharmaceuticals industry, that you know what you're getting. Well, even in clothing, you know, um, and this is not necessarily counterfeit, but there's a real issue with clothing. I got a pair. I bought a pair of jeans and I washed them before I wore them. But I developed such a contact dermatitis rash. Mm -hmm. And I learned that there's all kinds of things that are in those clothes and you and they're not labeled and you don't know where they're coming from. Well, unless you sit down and read the country manufactured label, mm-hmm. but even then it's not going to tell you whether or not it has formaldehyde in mm-hmm. it. There have been lead found in clothes. I mean, there's all kinds of things like that. And I can only imagine what counterfeit products, where they're ripping off the name as well as ripping off consumers, what they're going to have in them. Yeah. So I think consumers don't actually understand that no matter what clothes they buy, they should wash it before wearing it. Oh, yeah. um, that's that's a general rule that I think consumers don't don't follow. It is worse with counterfeit products because with a non-counterfeit product, con- 
brands are concerned about their reputation. So they do factory audits. They go to the factories where their their products are produced and they make sure that the the labor quality is up to par and that the chem, the chemicals used in dyeing clothing or, you know, the practices in general are up up to snuff. With a counterfeit product, you don't have that brand reputation to worry about. They don't and, care. No, and they don't have to care. They don't care. Okay, let's just take a brief pause here at, to let our listeners know that they're tuned into Of Consuming Interest. I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Kyle Burgess. She is the executive director of Consumers Research, which is the country's oldest consumer organization. They do some good work. They're a nonprofit organization. What is your website, Kyle? Consumers research.org consumers there's no apostrophe on the not in the, in the web domain address. no just consumers with an s research.org okay consumersresearch.org. they've got very good information the article about fish you have one up there recently mm-hmm. on fish all kinds of of interesting things about the you don't know what you're eating okay let's talk about medicine mm-hmm. and you touched on that briefly sure. before the break that's one of the things that scares me the most. And there are so many online pharmacies advertising for people, especially in Canada or any other mm-hmm. part of the world. I don't want to pick on our Canadian neighbors. But there are good websites that will sell you legitimate products. Mm-hmm. And there are ones that will sell you fake that, as you mentioned, can make you ill. It can even mm-hmm. kill you. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and it can make your illness worse. So on. So how do we, and you said there's an uh, there is an organization. People can just search for online pharmacies mm-hmm. and um, how to validate them, how to review them, how to mm-hmm. rate them. What are the safe ones? And I've seen the list as well. Um, but even ordering it when it's coming across country lines, mm-hmm. country borders, does that create a problem in itself? Yes, I'm not... I'm not an expert on the, the you know, the, the rules about uh, import and export okay. of pharmaceuticals. Uh, I do know that there are complications because there are different regulations in Europe. So even though Europe has probably very high standards of how they approve mm-hmm. their reg- dr- regulated drugs, um, the U.S. might have different standards. Um, I know in the last year there is, I can't remember what it is, but a, a pretty rare disease where Americans had been importing drugs from Europe because they were safe, but the U.S. has stricter standards on those drugs. And so... Recently, the FDA had changed the rule, and now we can't import those drugs from Europe anymore because we want even stricter standards on those drugs. Well, in some ways, that's good. And in some ways, people say that the sorry FDA, it's, but that you're too slow in, in approving yeah. new medications. So, which our new commissioner is is working really hard to speed up that process. That's actually right. one of his his number one priorities is mm-hmm. to reduce drug prices by speeding up the approval process. Well, and, of course, and that and, will make a world of difference. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're hoping that 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 transpires, but. Um, so so people, if they want to get medication from some source online, first off, they should do their research. Mm-hmm. They need to make sure. Then I would say, secondly, when you get that medication, compare it to, if, you, if it's a continuing prescription, compare it to what the pills you had just before it looked like, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You Be- use the same tips and tricks you would if you were just ensuring that your purse isn't a counterfeit purse, right? If the price is too good to be true, then it's it is too good to be Absolutely. true. Absolutely. Yeah. If there's something funny about the label that you don't recognize from a previous label, then that's a problem. Um, partic- particularly in the pharmaceutical industry, they go out of their way to have protections in place. With an online pharmacy, it's hard to verify a barcode or an RFID chip or something else that a physical pharmacy will have. Mm-hmm. But with your major retailers, um, you know, if it's a CVS or a Walgreens or, you know, those kinds of major mm-hmm. retailers that also, um, 
you know, partner with online pharmacies. I, I believe they partner with online pharmacies. Well, they that's, have their own on, online yeah, pharmacies, yeah. And, right? Yeah. And so, so that's a di- we're that's a different animal. Yeah. We're not talking um, about them. We're but, talking about the ones that are out there somewhere. Sure. We don't know. They're not our corner drugstore. And so, if you buy an online product, you you don't have the barcode scanner or the RFID scanner to ensure mm-hmm. that the products are real. But there are startup companies that are using technological solutions to get around this problem. Um, one of them, uh, I can't think of the name of it right now, but they offer um, a scratch-off label that, mm-hmm. that drug companies can add on to the product so that when it arrives at your house, you can scratch off the label, text them your code, and then they let you know whether or not the product that you have is legitimate. Oh, isn't that yeah. something? Technology is solving a lot of issues for us. Yes. Well, and- technology does some wonderful things. So. It also brings crooks right into our house. <laughs> that is true. You know, it's, it's, there's always a mixed blessing <laughs> here, but at any rate, I think it, the good far outweighs the bad. Um, okay, so we really have to be careful. We have to be good consumers. We have to look at cost, and we want to save money, but if it's so much less expensive than your neighborhood drugstore, you really have some reasons for concern. Alarm bells should be going off. Yeah, yeah, they should be. And you, But, you know, some medications are so expensive that uh, – it's difficult for people, and I can understand the need to go to mm-hmm. outside sources. So let's just be careful in trying to do that. I suspect that that's the the best thing that we could do. Now, we heard the case in the food, and we were talking about the fish, but we heard about the children, we, as we mentioned earlier, who lost their lives. Are there other um, food products that are particularly suspect, or is it just if it looks strange, sounds strange, it's too too inexpensive or are we going to be safe when we go to our local uh, supermarket our local fish store do they generally or do they get taken I've heard that that our our reputable retailers also get drawn into the the counterfeiting honestly aside not they're doing it (laughs) but they're victims uh, aside from fish products, I'm not familiar with, and there very well could be, but I'm not familiar mm-hmm. with okay. other products that That's are really problematic. Answer. And the reason being that there are thousands of species of fish. There are only a few species of other animal products that, you know, fish, or sorry, fish, right. chicken, um, yeah, cow, you know, exactly. like, those are pretty standard products and, okay. and you can identify them pretty easily and we don't veer far from them. Um, with fish, there are thousands, and so that's why it's so easy to counterfeit them. Okay, so the the it's the who is the government agency? The customs, customs border protection, customs, customs border and border protection. protection. Mm-hmm. And are they looking at these products as they come into the country? They at are the ports. Is yeah. that where they so are? They're, like I said earlier, seventy-seven thousand shipments a day, and that's just commercial shipments. That does not include the invest the investigating uh, potential con- like consumer-to-consumer packages as well. They do do that. But Mm -hmm. for commercial, I believe the number is 77,000 a day. That is a lot. It's a lot of ports and a lot of packages to cover. And, I mean, I'm, you know, they they know right now that 88% of counterfeited goods come from uh, China and Hong Kong, so they may target products coming from from those countries more. And and who knows if that that means that we're missing other other issues, but... um, they do do random searching of mm-hmm. different different packages from different places to, mm-hmm. to make sure what, that they're catching things. What do you see things. as some of the solutions? How do we deal with this as consumers? Most importantly, being a savvy consumer. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to think that this is a victimless crime. You know, uh, protecting the intellectual property rights of companies doesn't sound like a consumer responsibility. And it seems like, well, who cares if Gucci or uh, Louis Vuitton or, yeah, you know, a, few hundred here yeah, there. a luxury mm-hmm. brand. Um, but the thing is, if you have that attitude, then you miss it with other things as well. That could be very harmful. So it's not a victimless crime. Um, 
when there is a product that, you know, uh, I'll use children's toys for an example. Um, if Legos is a really popular uh, item to be counterfeited and if the manufacturers of counterfeit Legos use harmful chemicals or paints and things, I mean, we, you know, for, for years there was the lead paint problem. Um, so so there are there are consequences for consumers and we do pay millions of dollars in investigation and prosecution mm, of this oh, every that, year that too. cost is that cost is astonishing yeah. i mean what is it you said 250 million dollars a year just to prosecute and and uh chase down the crooks let's let's just take a brief pause here to let our listeners know they're tuned into of consuming interest I'm Shirley Rooker. My guest is Kyle Burgess. She is the executive director of Consumers Research, excuse me, Consumers Research, which is the country's oldest consumer organization. Kyle, tell us a little bit about Consumers Research. You get involved in all kinds of issues, don't you? Sure. Uh, as you mentioned, we are the nation's oldest consumer affairs organization. We've been around since 1929. We got our start in product testing and product safety. Mm -hmm. um, and over the years, we've transitioned. We still obviously care very much about product testing or sorry, product safety um, and consumer protection generally. We also have shifted into focusing on policy and regulation and the impact of policy and regulation on consumers. And so where, where, what are some of the things that you're focusing on right now? Sure. So consumer financial issues are a top priority for us. Um, since the passage of the Dodd-Frank Act in 2010, there have been a lot of um, regulations, you know, post-financial crisis that are designed to protect consumers. Some of them have been good for consumers. Some of them have been bad for consumers. And so we feel that it's our responsibility to assess some of the implementation of those rules and, mm -hmm. and, and policies to make sure that if they aren't working in the favor of consumers, that we take another look at them so that we do benefit the overall welfare of consumers. Because it's one thing to say that this will do good, but it's a very another thing if it's not. Well, sometimes good intentions don't necessarily result in good results. Exactly. So or good results don't come out necessarily. So we can start with thinking one thing's going to go one way and it can go another way as maybe go both directions. So yeah, that that's great. So you, you look at finances, you're looking mm -hmm. at food, you're looking at counterfeiting. Those are some big items and particularly the counterfeiting, which you had mentioned the cost of it. But do you realize that when a company is not selling their genuine product, I mean, you know it, mm -hmm. but for the consumer, for our listeners, when they're not selling that genuine product and you're buying a counterfeit product, the money's going into the hands of a crook, you're helping to abet a criminal organization, and the taxes that would be paid on purchases and the income taxes that would be paid by the business, they're all missed out. So there's a there's a lot of peripheral cost to that just in, in addition to the cost of the items. Mm -hmm. So it it really just has all these little tentacles that go out, doesn't it? Yeah, it's not a victimless crime. It might seem harmless to buy those fake Ray-Bans, mm -hmm. but it's mm -hmm. not. That has real-world impacts on factory workers and the supporting organized crime mm -hmm. in other sectors like illegal drugs. Now, what do you see uh, some of the big things on the horizon that you all are going to be focusing on? Are you got your crystal ball in front of you? Um, so for the 2018 year, our focus is overall consumer welfare. So as I mentioned before, we do spend a lot of time assessing policy and regulation mm -hmm. and the impact of, of those things on consumers. Mm -hmm. So um, particularly uh, financial regulation over the last five years and, and doing more studies on oh, yeah. the impact of that, that regulation or new rules being proposed. And um, we, we it's really important for us that people understand that there is a narrative outside the political narrative. 
you know. Oh, it, yes. Everything doesn't have to be political. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. in this town, it seems to get there sometimes. Yeah. So so our goal is just to make sure that there is a middle ground between what policymakers, regulators, news entities, et cetera, are talking about and then what the average person can understand. You know, what do when we I, care about? We, yeah. the consumer. Exactly. That's and sometimes I think we're overlooked. People get their ideas and they, you know, they run mm-hmm. with with something and the consumer's sitting and thinking, what's going on mm-hmm. here? It's easy it's easy to like and click and retweet and repost mm-hmm. things on Facebook that have uh, sensational headlines, but it's really it's been an interesting year for me to look at the the things that my friends and colleagues are posting and liking and sharing on social media because I think that kind of gives you a general pulse of what is going on. Well, what people um, are concerned yeah, about. Yeah. And yeah. knowing more now about those issues than I had ever had in previous years, uh, especially consumer finance, I go out of my way to engage my colleagues and say, well, you know, I, I can see how you feel that way. And I can see how this headline might lead you to believe that. But the more that you look at the numbers on something, the more that you consider what is actually in the mm-hmm. best interest of consumers, you might t- change your mind about some of the things that you previously believed to be good or bad for consumers. Well, and and I think as consumers that we, the more we know, the more information we have, then mm-hmm. we can make our own judgments. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going out there to do the research and find out what you can. We need to look at other organizations as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think all of those things are of value to the consumer and it's of great use and, and to have organizations. Now, since you're a nonprofit, you you take donations or how do you, how are you supported? We do. We're mostly funded by private foundations. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, but you don't, uh, you're not adverse to a consumer sending a donation. Absolutely not. Oh, no, indeed. <laughs> oh, that just, um, she just smiled. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think my grandmother would support us if she knew where to send the check. So I'll let her know over Christmas. But you know, when I do my daily work, she, I, she's the person I have in mind because she lives in Florida where there is you know, a lot of all ambulance chasing of and all kinds of take advantage of people. And, um, you know, it's helping her navigate um, the different systems out there for her to get the right. access to the things that she needs to just get through her day to day life. I mean, this is as simple as going to the bank and getting a notary is, is challenging for her. And so I I think about her when we do the work that we do, do every day. I think that's wonderful because she can she can be the 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 role model for many and and as our population ages too I think that that's particularly valuable especially but then with we've got the crime. younger people too who are vulnerable to frauds mm-hmm. and scams the millennials coming along and you're and and oftentimes they're the ones that are targeted by identity thieves mm-hmm. uh, it's really amazing to me how no matter what your age your vulnerabilities may be a little different yeah. but we're all vulnerable in some way or the other so i'm sure that that's what you're finding now when you're doing research on a project do you typically survey consumers as well or we, are you doing how, how do you how would you go you identify some, an area that you want to work on what what do you do sure so we have done consumer surveys um we have an annual holiday survey to just take the general pulse of how people are feeling around the holidays or what they're thinking about their budgets mm-hmm. we've also done um a, just a survey on general um financial stressors you know what is it your mortgage that's causing you mm-hmm. the most stress or is it car payments and things like that so we've done done um it was called a consumer sentiment survey we've also done surveys on online dating um that was a really popular <laughs> one uh and i think we'll do that one again it's been a couple years so we, we do a lot of surveys we also uh work with academics to study different issues um and one of our most interesting and fun products for me is uh, we hold a conference at Bretton Woods every year in the spirit of the original Bretton Woods conference and it's a it's actually a small workshop with industry experts um 
And the first few years, we actually focused on digital currency and blockchain because it was such a niche oh, and issue. Oh, boy. Uh-huh. And you, it's becoming right really popular there. now. Right yeah. on there. Yeah. You know, um, I can't believe we're out of time. Okay. Kyle, it's been such a treat having you on. We have to do this again. Likewise. Um, Folks, you have been listening to Of Consuming Interest. My guest has been Kyle Burgess. She's the executive director of Consumers Research, which happens to be the country's oldest consumer organization, and they do a lot of interesting things. Visit their website at consumersresearch.org. And I'm Shirley Rooker. You've been listening to us right here on 1500 AM. If you want to get in touch with me, it's Shirley at callforaction.org. Thank you for joining us. Call for Action presents Of Consuming Interest, a public service show that discusses scams, deceptive offers, and other consumer concerns. Here's the director of WJLA 7 Call for Action and your host, Shirley Rooker.